Kikayanga na banja latu Kupadwa tinabatwa mushe Koma lelo lipazulika Nikale tinakalapo okonwela Lelo eka Titikumbukila kweta chokela Amai kubutika mutima Koma zoti tazisoa Nimaona misozi masomwake Nimafuto abale nimafuto Over the past two decades, uh, 10, 15, 20 years, the Zambian diaspora, I'm using the expression as evolved, progressed, developed, and has sort of done some great things that we haven't seen in a number of years before. Welcome to Zambia Block Talk Radio. This is our 11th anniversary special feature, which we are calling the Zambian Diaspora. It's uh, 9.01 Central Standard Time in Dallas, Texas, 10.01 in the eastern coast of America, and 7 a.m. or Pacific Time. I believe it's 3 p.m. in the United Kingdom and 1,600 hours in Zambia. We do thank you for joining us on this occasion. 6 June 2020, we've already reached half of the year, and uh, time is flying. Uh, I've seen a lot of things on social media. Roger, my friend in the north, people are saying they're not going to count this year. They are alive uh, since uh, nothing has happened. Uh, I don't know what that means. Help me out, my friend, with that. So you and I next year... So you and I next year, we are going to say the same age we are this year, right? It sounds like it. It sounds like it. Is that, <laughs> is that what it means? Okay. That's the way it works. <laughs> well, we will see if the honorary consul is going to allow us to do that. Uh, this morning, we, we are very privileged. This is a great privilege, Roger. Things like this don't happen a lot of times. Where you have a family, where you have a, a couple come, and discuss the work that they are doing. I, I'm really looking forward to this show. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, wherever you are listening online, those that have called in, this morning we are honored to have Honorary Consul and Chief of Post for the Republic of Zambia and California, Mr. Robert Sichinga Jr., and his dear wife, Mrs. Muiza Sichinga. They are co-founders of the Robert and Muiza Sichinga Foundation, doing wonderful things and a lot of work in the diaspora. Uh, Mr. Sichinga, Mrs. Chinga, good morning. Welcome to the show. My goodness, thank you for waking up early for us. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning, Mrs.? Good, good. It, it's good to have you on. And uh, we have a lot of things to talk about here. And uh, you will agree with me, uh, Consul, that uh, the Zambian diaspora has really evolved and progressed. A lot of things have happened. Well, I'm going to ask you to give, I, I know you've lived in the state for quite a bit. What's your analysis, Robert, or evaluation of the Zambian diaspora in the past two decades? 
Well, um, uh, as a start, uh, good morning to everybody else that's on the call. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on which time zone. Um, I also, also wanted to say, Nathan, that it's actually uh, my honor to be on, on your show. It's been many years since um, I got that invitation. So so I feel as though there's something about the right in the last <laughs> few weeks uh-huh. to get back. So it's an honor to be back on the show. Thank you. Um, Nathan, uh, two decades is, is, is quite a while when you think about yes. uh, what the country is, how the country has developed, how the country has evolved, and specific to your question, uh, the achievements of the diaspora. Um, the diaspora has taken it, the diaspora has been highly involved in the work, in, in, in development of the country in a number of areas, whether it's from a philanthropic mm. standpoint, from a commercial standpoint, any type of social services has been highly involved. But if you look about the diaspora and their achievements outside, I mean, look, mm. there's art. We come across articles. We we send pictures of stuff going back and forth of Zambians that are uh, world-renowned scientists, um, accomplished actors and musicians, athletes, doctors, philanthropists. Some are even moving mm. going, going into in some in the, in the countries um, of their home. You're seeing growth of Zambians in the tech industry across the world, and um, you know uh, their specific accomplishments, right? And not just working in that industry. Look at the number of Zambians that are working for globally focused organizations like the World Bank mm-hmm. and the CDs. The Zambian footprint for its country our size and for such a small population is quite wide and is quite vast uh, when you start to look at what we're able to do and what we have ourselves involved with. Now, um, what does that translate into? You know, because, um, you know, so one could say, well, if they're out in the diaspora, um, is, is that really benefiting the country? People talk about the brain drain. But I think there's also signals, uh, there's also signs of how uh, the Zambians in the diaspora have been helping out their country. I think you can agree with me that we continue to see an increase in the amount of trade mm. that takes place between members of the diaspora and, um, uh, and home itself. Um, so not, not just trade, we're talking about situations where people are, 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 are supplying machinery, vehicles, uh, computer equipment. These are Zambian companies in the diaspora supplying companies mm. in Zambia. Look at the Zambians that are involved in purchasing property. Look at just the, the amount of travel. There's an increased amount of travel between members of the diaspora and Zambia. Yes, it helps that uh, cost of travel has reduced over those two decades, but um, the fact that you see so many Zambians traveling back home for business, for family, for friends, uh, continues to show that the majority of the Zambians are not disconnecting from home. They, 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 mm. We all that connection, and wherever we have an opportunity, um, uh, we'll send money, we'll invest, we'll do whatever we can uh, to develop the country. You know, Nathan, um, uh, not, not too long ago, uh, I think it was about uh, a few days ago, I, think, I had um, uh, I was looking up some stuff from the World Bank, and I re- and I re- realized that you know maybe I should look up some data on remittances in preparation uh-huh. for this call. And I was yes. I was actually quite um, uh, surprised. Um, in 2003, total remittances, according to the World Bank, were 36 million. 2017, 93 million. 2018, 106 million. This is Zambia, Robert? 2019, $127 million from, was remitted into Zambia. So, wow. It, that type of increase in leaps and bounds um, is a testament to the fact that Zambians continue to stay connected with their country and continue to want to invest in some way or another uh, with their country. So um, uh, I know that's a long 
answer to your question, but um, it's it, it, it's 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 worth mentioning that uh, the diaspora is a true resource for the development of Zambia. It's very true, Robert, and I'm glad that you went out of your way to do. You, you, you are, I know, you are a researcher. You do your work. You do your homework. Uh, let me do this. I'm going to ask you to go through those figures again. Uh, uh, Robert, uh, sorry, Roger, are you listening to this? So you said 2003? 36 million. Uh huh. 2017. 2017 at 93 million. Uh huh. 2018, 106. And 2019, this is Zambian, right? This is total, sorry, this is total remittances into the country. So it could be a variety okay. of things, but that encompasses uh, diaspora remittances. So that's data that you get directly from the, the World Bank. We can go deeper and look at specifically diaspora numbers. I can try and try mm-hmm. get those out to you. I looked. I went straight to just remittances under the okay. World Bank. You know, a good person to tap into is uh, uh, Professor Mwenda. Um, uh, he's he's, mm-hmm. he's an expert in that field. So I'll, I'll tap into him as well and see if I can get exact numbers. But that growth of the amount of dollar that's going into the country in terms of remittances is quite impressive. Yeah, that that's amazing, and that I mean your your answer. I'll tell you this: it's it's not long winded or whatever. Basically, I think it's important for all of us listening on this show and those that will listen to the recorded broadcast podcast to have this information. Um, we we're looking at uh, there's a lot to talk about, but uh, time is limited. I want us to get to to your wife here so that she talks about the work of your foundation. Uh, one of the things, Robert, that those of us that have lived in the diaspora, let's talk about America specifically, is that when you reflect on, you remember, I mean, there was a time when embassy uh, community relations were not very good. I mean, you can talk about what, I I want you to talk about how this transformation has changed. And to this point, let me take this opportunity first to allow you also at this stage to talk about what does it mean to be honorary consul. And then when you tell us what you do and what your responsibilities are, also just share with us the transformation that has happened between uh, embassy relations and the Zambian community in the diaspora. Sure, sure, no problem. Um, I'll start with, so, so honorary consul... Well, let me let me back up a little bit, just uh, uh, and for, forgive me for those that are already familiar with uh, what an honorary consul is. Um, uh, as you know, countries will have an embassy, um, uh, and that's what we have in DC. Um, yes. And, you, and a lot, and they also have uh, a mission, which, in uh, all intents and purposes, looks just like an embassy. They also have a mission in um, in New York. That uh, is basically the, the 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 mission to the UN. So that's their, their work is primarily focused on around um, activities with the United Nations. Some mm-hmm. countries will take it a step further and they'll open up a consulate, uh, which is basically just a a, a, a a miniature embassy, a small embassy, and they might mm-hmm. open up a consulate in a, in a in a city or a state where there's a strategic reason why. In some cases, it might be because they have a very large population of their um, immigrants living in that city. Uh, in some okay. cases, they may have it for strategic reasons around trade and investment, so they'll have a consulate there. 
Now, there's a step uh, much lower than that, which is, not in a, which is not a diplomat, and that is an honorary consul. But what that basically is is the government will, will appoint an individual and say, hey, look, um, we feel that you have um, resources, uh, contacts uh, that you can use to um, help uh, develop your country or for the benefit of your mm. country. Uh, we, will, we would like to submit your name. Uh, we would like to appoint you as our honorary consul. Um, and upon agreeing to that, your name is then submitted to the, uh, in this case, the United States uh, State Department. Um, uh, the Zambian government obviously has to do a, a thorough background check on you and obviously a vetting process, um, uh, and, uh, you know, because it makes sense. You're going out there um, uh, wearing this title. Uh, you're technically representing uh, your country. Um, the State Department also does a full thorough background check because, uh, again, you're, uh, you're working with government officials and you're expected to be, mm. and, and, uh, be a good staff. So um, uh, I was fortunate enough to be appointed uh, by um, uh, the Minister of Foreign Affairs of the Republic of Zambia in 2014, uh, late 2014. Uh, I was then cleared by State Department a few months after that, and I've, been, and I've served in this role since then. My, re, my responsibilities um, uh, are focused on doing everything uh, I can to, to promote um, the image of the country, to identify trade and investment opportunities, uh, any opportunities for matchmaking. Um, uh, so anything around trade and investment is a part of the responsibility, but also other areas, uh, healthcare-related issues. Um, and I work, I'm very, uh, we're very fortunate now to have an attaché for healthcare at the embassy. Because um, as you know, we have portfolios for various areas of various sectors. So yes. looking for opportunities around healthcare, um, uh, there could be some other philanthropic uh, uh, initiatives or causes. So I, you keep our eyes and ears open for any opportunities that can benefit the country. So that's in a nutshell. That's one major area. That's one area. The other area okay. that is um, important is the activity is, is uh, the, the the needs of the diaspora. Um, mm-hmm. So um, there situations where, you know, the diaspora, um, uh, members of the diaspora are looking for uh, certain services, initiatives, and I'll do whatever I'm approved to do under the embassy. Keep in mind, the honorary consulate falls under the the direction of the embassy. So um, my work, my my activities have to be um, rubber stamped by, uh, by the embassy. Um, so that's generally that's that's, that's what I do. Um, anything diaspora related uh, that uh, the embassy feels that I should get involved with, also I, I, I'll do. Now, with regards to the the you know the sentiments around the embassy, I do recall uh, you know the, the period there where those you know just generally just a lot of negative sentiment. But one thing mm-hmm. I'm proud of by saying, uh, I think I think it's fair to say that. You don't hear that much uh, uh, negative sentiments uh, anymore, um, and at least not as much, not from my side, and it hasn't been the case for some time now. Um, I personally feel that uh, there are a number of reasons. It's very difficult to, to give a, a definitive response to this because the things that dissatisfy people uh, in their interaction with the embassy could, re- could range for a number of things. I remember an instance mm. where genuinely the person that, that they dealt with at the embassy um, uh, didn't come through for them the way they should have. And they were notably and understandably upset about that because it was something that was of importance. However, it was an individual that, uh, that they were dealing with. But in the same this conversation, there was an example of another person 
who was trying to get the embassy to do something which is outside approved guidelines, right? So technically sure. asking them to guess what headquarters has approved them to do. And because they couldn't do that, they couldn't bend the rules for them, they got upset with the people at the embassy and said a bunch of bad stuff. So there are a number of reasons why you've seen people come up with negative sentiments. But I noticed, too, that there was a deliberate attempt by the uh, uh, diplomats at the embassy to find a way to have to strengthen relationships. And I think you started yes. to notice, you know, the, uh, the ambassadors, even, even before, um, uh, not, not our current ambassador, even before uh, Ambassador Simbiakula, you started to see um, uh, the ambassador, the acting ambassador at the time, uh, getting more involved in diaspora activities. You saw that with Ambassador Simbiakula as well. Uh, they would attend uh, Independence Day parties or they'd attend the expos. Um, they, had greater open, they have a greater open-door policy. Um, now, again, this is what I'm seeing uh, and also some mm-hmm. of the conversations. It, it, I, even, uh, I actually remember there's actually someone who had wanted to write a, a formal letter thanking uh, the embassy for how quickly they had processed some of their stuff. And I said, okay. you better write that. <laughs> there's been so much in terms of negative sentiment that any good, um, good vibes, I think, will go a long way. So um, um, I hope that what I'm seeing is what other people are seeing as well. But the embassy has said, you know, if there are areas where you think they, they think that they should be doing differently, they've said, let us know. Um, uh, you know, that's the Zambian government on American soil, so, and they're there for us. But that's my, that's my perspective. I, I, I'm in no way uh, downplaying uh, some, you know, other people's uh, experiences if they're not the same as the ones I've had. Mm. I mean, the cha- challenges are there for sure. We, cannot, we are not denying that, but... Obviously, all of us who agree, I mean, Roger, everybody listening here, who have scored in that there was a time when things were not. And the biggest component was misunderstanding really what the embassy could and could not do. Um, mm. one, of the things that, one of the things that we have seen happen to our community uh, not very long ago, everybody will remember this, is it two weeks ago? when we had a virtual fundraiser to ship medical supplies to Zambia as a leader in the community and one saving in the capacity you are saving. How did this reflect on us, our relationship with the homeland? And what do you think this really reflects to our strengths and our ability for us to do more, Robert? You know, that event was, I'm still thinking about that event. Um, It was an amazing event. Uh, it was uh, a major eye-opener, even for me, um, who was a member of the diaspora, who has attempted different things, um, uh, activities between here and the United States. So, um, I, you know, I, I think about it in two ways. It's, it, you know, in response to your question, first thing it mm-hmm. showed me is that first thing it showed me is that Zambians are resourceful. The Zambians that are out here have contacts. They have they work for places that can donate a whole container of equipment. Others work mm-hmm. for areas where they may have initiatives that can benefit communities there. They work for organizations that could potentially invest in stuff. So the first thing it showed me is that Zambians in the diaspora have access to resources that can benefit our country. The second thing that it showed me is the willingness of Zambians in the diaspora to gravitate towards and a, a common agreed uh, goal and work hard to achieve it. And you saw that with raising almost $20,000 in a 24-hour no, period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That just shows that all of, I mean, you're talking about $10 here, $20 there, $100 there. 
all of that coming together for a single cause in 24 hours. And there it is. These items are on their way now to Zambia. Think about how many lives are going to be uh, saved, how many lives will benefit, or how many uh, uh, illnesses will be healed by a piece of equipment that is actually in that container right now. And that was done because someone gave $10 over there, someone gave $50 over mm. there. This, that's huge. What if that went a step further and that group, everybody there said, yeah, you know what, I'll do this once a year. What you're saying now is that there could potentially be an, uh, um, a hospital, a clinic that receives a container of medical supplies a year. Yes. What if someone says, no, listen, we can double this, we can do it twice a year. Can you imagine the impact that will have on our, on our healthcare system if this mm-hmm. is an ongoing thing into the security? And what does it cost you? It costs you the same $10 you put in on the last one. It costs you the same $50 you put in on the last one, and you just did it once in a year. That's the power that the diaspora has to really change and impact lives back, back, back home. So I think that is a sign of bigger things to come. What if we did something like that in, to, to go into maybe investing in agro-processing or any other sector? $10 mm-hmm. here, 20 there, 100 there. It goes a long way. I think, I think that's an eye-opener for a lot of people, including our leadership back home. Yeah, it's true. Now, here's the question that really necessitated this discussion, you and I know the little secret behind our <laughs> you coming back to the show today. Mm-hmm. During that fundraiser, when you and Davis, the producer and host of that event, Davis asked you a question and you made a statement, uh, Robert, to me, which was very profound. And it stood out. Like I tell a lot of friends who are close to me, Roger here and other people, when I'm listening to something, a speech, even a sermon in church or somebody talking, there will just be one line about to stand out to me. During your interview or discussion with uh, Davis, during the virtual fundraiser, you said something, and I caught, maybe not word for word, but something like, Zambians want to help or make a difference but don't know how and where and how to go about it. You are, end of quote, you are a very resourceful person and you've done things out of your way to try and help us know where and what to do. I want you to share some thoughts and information to somebody listening there. Like you've already alluded to one sector, agribusiness. Somebody may want to help a school. It's the starting point, Robert. It's the starting point for some people, which is difficult. So talk to people listening. Where do I start from? I I want to help. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I remember making that comment uh, uh, on on the virtual concert. But that line, that sentence was not from me. It was actually from Mm. somebody who came saying that, saying, Robert, I want to help. Um, I want Mm. to get involved. I want to understand what do I do and then we started yeah. to discuss it and this is the person who has been here longer than I am uh, has wow. access to a lot of resources very smart very intelligent person but was asking me that so I asked I said is this a prevailing issue I said oh yeah trust me there are a lot of us that want to be able to help keep in mind most of the most of us have been out here if you've been out in the US uh, 10 years or more there's a lot of stuff that has taken place back in Zambia that you, you, you've no idea about. I've gone one year, gone the next year, and I'm still uh-huh. trying to find myself a bit lost just because of just the development that's taking place in certain areas. So think about a person who 
is not actively involved with things to do with back home, hasn't been back home, you know, 10, 15 mm-hmm. years. Uh, and some of us maybe left when we didn't even know what PACRA was, you know, or the equivalent of this was. So if you're not involved in it, it makes sense that, you know, you wouldn't know where to start, who your contacts are on the ground on, on, on that end. So yes. my response to, uh, and then there's been others that have called regarding uh, questions around business and the like. And my response to them has been another question back. What is your area of expertise? What, uh, what do you have access to? In some cases, it might just be some additional cash. You know, uh, what can I send money to to help the underserved? In other cases, they might have contacted through work. They may have access to, to, to equipment. What their response is is now what helps me direct them. If they've got healthcare-related mm. stuff, they're trying to donate to a specific institution. Is it, a, is it for a specific disease state? Is it for a specific uh, uh, age group or sex? They, people, people have their preference. Oh, yeah, I want this for women's health. Okay, then we mm-hmm. now target that approach. If it's business, business is the one that, I'm in, that I get involved with quite often because it's not just members of the diaspora that call. It's also um, Americans that are looking to try and you know, looking for opportunities in Zambia or the continent or, or Africa as a whole, and we try to push, push them to Zambia. Um, the first thing that I typically do is I direct them to the consulate uh, website. Uh, I, I manage the website, theconsulatezambia.org. Under the trade section, I've uploaded videos, I've uploaded uh, uh, manuals from the ZDA by sector. So uh, the information that is on the consulate website can also be obtained from the embassy. The advantage with going through that information is uh-huh. you get yourself a miniature course of where the opportunities are in Zambia from a trade and investment standpoint, what the government is focusing on. That at least now gives you an idea, so, okay, this is where I guess I can start. On that same page is also information about the tender board, how to take, how to participate in those tenders that are published. I had actually okay. started producing a newsletter that I used to send out every periodically that would list all the tenders. Unfortunately, I stopped doing it because you know, I decided to call a few people who had been receiving the newsletter, and I said, "Okay, you said you're interested in this. Have you registered your business yet?" And unfortunately, uh-huh. nobody had registered. So, you know, it's a lot of work putting that together. You'd hope that you can see some results from it. So um, uh, we we stopped sending it. But you can start it up again if there's an interest. But there's information there about how to take advantage of the tender process as a Zambian business or a foreign business. So between the consulate website, the embassy, um, our trade uh, uh, representative at the embassy, our first secretary of trade at the embassy, um, myself, for people that are trying to get to do stuff with Zambia, I would say at the start, that's a good place to go. I'm mentioning myself because I'm on your show. Um, but, yeah, I'm, uh, we're resources as well as that start for that initial conversation. Um, that, yeah, that's what I would advise. And then we can go, we can find additional contacts, additional organizations, depending on which direction we choose to go. But there are a lot of sectors that we can invest in. The, the opportunities are there. And right now, you look at how strong the dollar is, um, your money uh-huh. is going away. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good one you've mentioned there. So the website is what? Consulatezambia.org? Yeah, consulateofzambia.org.org, yes. Okay. Everybody, consulateofzambia.org. You can go there and uh, get all you need to do. Uh, and you see, now, based on what you've just explained, and I'm sure everybody listening, <laughs> Roger, you'll agree with me that this is very important, and this is to some extent, and what Mrs. Sichinga is going to talk about now is why I wanted us to have this discussion, because 
Dr. Patrick, like you have said to us all the time here, information, information, information. I thought Robert should come on and talk about what he has talked about here. Mrs. Chinga, so you and your husband here decide to start um, the Robert and Mwiza Sichinga Foundation. Uh, what prompted this? Uh, share with us how that conversation went between the two of you. Sure, sure. Good morning. Um, greetings to everybody on the call, and uh, greetings to everybody listening. Um, yeah, so I just uh, also, before I go any further, let me just congratulate you as well on your milestone, 10 years, Zambia Blog Talk Radio. That's a huge uh, thank you. Uh, Last year was 10 years. Unfortunately, we weren't able to make it for the big celebration. But um, for this, thank you for having us for your 11th one. Um, so, yeah, congratulations again. Uh, yes, yeah, so you wanted to know how the idea of the our foundation, our idea for our foundation came about. Basically, yes. um, what prompted us to start it is in talking with one another and getting to know each other. Um, when Robert mm-hmm. and I met, uh, we discovered that we both shared a passion for helping those who are less fortunate. Um, for me, actually, I've always just personally really had an, an attachment to babies. You know, from the time mm. I was a little girl, I just really loved, you know, small children and babies. And so, um, you know, coming together with Robert and discovering our interests, uh, he had already had some experience with helping different groups get donations to Zambia. So I propose that we act, we set up a healthcare-focused charity that serves the most vulnerable in Zambia. And, you know, of course, you know, the kids, the babies, the newborns, they're completely clueless and helpless as to what, you know, they've been brought into. So that's where we decided to focus our attention. Mm. So you, your foundation works at, uh, you, you will definitely, I'll give you an opportunity to explain other things that uh, uh, the Robert and Mr. Sitchinga found. So... Mrs. Chinga, why Kenyama Hospital? How, how did you arrive at this decision uh, considering the great need in the health sector in Zambia? How did you arrive at Kenyama Hospital? Okay, yeah. So, well, actually, Kenyama was not our first choice. When we first mm-hmm. started, you know, talking about how we can help, you know, we really just wanted to serve the underserved communities. And what tends to happen a lot of times, it's easier to gravitate towards the bigger institutions. So our first place that we had actually planned to work with was UTH. Um, mm-hmm. But that was, actually, you know, taking quite a bit of time to establish a team and develop a working relationship. It's, you know, it's a huge institution. Uh, so, um, yeah, they were very busy. It was just taking a lot of time. So in the process, Robert has an aunt um, who's a pediatrician, and okay. she's the one who to Kanyama. She was a doctor at the time at Kanyama Hospital and she says, you know, the need is, is great everywhere across the country. There's so many, you know, healthcare facilities that do need help. But, you know, she, she pointed us in the direction of Kanyama and explained what their specific needs were, being on the ground there and being able to see exactly, you know, what it needed. So that's how we decided on, you know, now turning, diverting our attention to Kanyama as opposed to working with uh, UTH. Another thing, just as an example, another thing is with UTH, it's um, mm-hmm. one of those facilities because everybody knows that. So they tend to get a lot of the 
the resources and all of the attention. Mm. So, yeah, a lot that contributed and, you know, people helping out, but it, a lot of it does tend to get diverted to UTH, and then some of the okay. others in the area tend to kind of be put on the back burner. Mm. Obviously, uh, Kanyama is one of the uh, health institutions, which is government. Could you yes. – I know if you have to work in the government institutions, there are certain – uh, steps or procedures that you need to follow. Could you please share with us? There's somebody listening who would like to work with a health institution or a school. What steps do you need to do or did you take to start working with Kanyama mm-hmm. uh, Hospital? What was required of you? Okay, sure, yeah. So we were actually introduced to the medical superintendent for Kenyama Hospital. His name is Dr. Mbewin. He's been amazing to work with, extremely committed mm-hmm. physician. He's been a great partner for us, and he's the one who actually walked us through the process and gave us step-by-step guidelines of what we needed to do and how to go about, you know, working with the um, the hospital. Uh, actually, Robert mm-hmm. has more details yeah, yeah, no, 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 is right. Um, uh, actually, every step of the way, um, all the mm-hmm. activities, even were, uh, what we wanted to do, um, we had to run everything by um, uh, Dr. Mbewe. And then uh, okay. if there was things that he up for approval, then uh, he did that. I mean, think about the, the approvals that you need. To, to actually do construction work. We've, we've actually been doing some uh, rehabilitation work there, and we okay. had to formally re- for that. We he had to then send that up the chain for them to approve that, yes, we can do this work. For those that want to get involved in something similar to this, when we started doing that, we didn't have a healthcare attaché at the embassy. As you know, we've got Dr. Dr. Weope, who uh, yes. is our health attaché at the embassy. We didn't have that at the time. If we did, our first step would have been to go to them, right? Because uh, him being government, he would know exactly what the process and the procedures uh, uh, are. So for those that would love to try and do something like that, I would recommend that they can go directly to Dr. Weoke and share with them what it is that they're trying to do. And if they want to pick mm-hmm. our brain, they're obviously uh, we're available also to talk to them. Sorry, I jumped in there. <laughs> okay. Before I go back to Mrs. Sichinga, Robert, uh just that, now that you've mentioned the health attaché, um, do you, would you encourage, if I want to do something in agriculture, in health, education, I mean, there's a lot of, I'm living in America, should I go to the embassy? What, what, do, what do I need to do? Really depends on what it is you're trying to, to accomplish, right? Um, mm-hmm. If you're looking at something to agriculture and you want to just build, you, you, you want to uh, uh, start planting tomatoes and some other vegetables on two or three hectares of land. You know, as long as if the land is there and you know how to buy the items, I don't think you need to go through them. But if you're looking at trying to do something at a larger scale, where you're looking at bringing mm-hmm. in a process plant, something where there might even be some potential um, incentives or duty-free um, on certain products that you're bringing in, I recommend going to our trade attaché because, She's on top of all the current guidelines, the current procedures, all of that. She will be she'll be the best person to give you a guidance there. So, if it's a if it's a if it's a decent size opportunity or initiative, it does help to at least start at the embassy because they will at least guide you uh, to specific entities or specific organizations. Now, if you if you're resourceful enough from an information standpoint and you don't feel that you necessarily any need to contact the embassy directly then 
again, it goes back to what it is that you're trying to uh, to invest in. Are you going to go directly to organizations in Zambia if you have those contacts? That's obviously up to you. But the, the, to answer to your question, I think it truly depends on the type of investment and the size of the investment. If you're looking okay. at trying to do something with $20,000, the process is different if it's $10, 20000000 Okay. That makes sense. Type of investment and size of investment. Uh, Mrs. Ching, you took away time from Mrs. Chinda. Now I want to go back to her. <laughs> I want to go back to Mrs. Chinda. A lot of people, mm-hmm. Mrs. Chinda, would like to do something. This can be, just thinking about it, it can be overwhelming. I'm sure you agree with, with me. Uh, number oh, one. Number two, others have a challenge of identifying colleagues or to partner with, okay? For you, it was easy. It's your husband. I mean, um, <laughs> what, what advice would you give to somebody listening out there to say, look, I want to do something, but... Uh, this situation can be, you know, and then as Africans, Zambians, you've got these issues of trust. Uh, so, I mean, encourage, what, what would you say to somebody listening and they're like, oh my goodness, this is just overwhelming. Where do I start from? Yes, you're you're very right. You know, it really can be very overwhelming and frustrating when you're trying to get started just because you're asking yourself why everyone else doesn't see the same level of urgency, you know, that you, that you, you know, that you're putting in and, you know, if you're being persistent, you will eventually find what it, what you need to get going. What I think that, um, I think there are several ways that people can get involved. Uh, as a starting point, the first thing uh, for somebody to ask themselves is to determine the level of involvement. Uh, are they planning on setting up their own charity to take on everything that goes with that or, you know, do they just want to spend a set dollar amount as of a one time or regular or regularly, you know, for a particular cause? So answering that question and determining the level of involvement is going to help, you know, guide you as to where it is that you should actually start focusing your attention. Um, I mean, I have learned a lot through the process. It's not, it, it's definitely not easy. It is fulfilling, but it's definitely not easy. And, you know, the biggest challenge, I mean, it can be very humbling. Asking for money isn't easy. You know, remember, you feel that you're supporting a good cause, but not everyone, you know, may see it as a great cause. Their passion and enthusiasm may not be on the same level as you, but you need their money. So, you know, you have to make the case and teach them that they can be confident that the money is going to go where you say it is going. So, Excellent, um, excellent to others that, you know, already are doing the same thing, you know, like we're, we're a resource. Um, there are so many other um, foundations out there. Uh, yes. Mr. Sam Capizia, yeah. he has, mm-hmm. yeah, he's an incredible foundation, uh, a charity that he's working with. Um, there's Onassis Ministries. He's also doing incredible things. There's so many Zambians that are doing incredible things and resources. You know, you can ask these people how they got started, what they did. And, you know, they'll kind of just give you a, a, a guideline as to which way to go, which direction to go. Yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, that is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was just yeah, going to add, uh, for example, uh, last year uh, we mm-hmm. visited Kanyama Hospital. Well, actually, last year we did visit Kanyama Hospital. But the first time we visited Kanyama Hospital, um, an example of a way that we had gotten involved without even necessarily planning for it. Um, mm-hmm. Dr. Mbewe 
and he's the superintendent at Kanyama Hostel. We had we had a visit planned to go to Kanyama, and he had called us the day before, and he said, by the way, just to let you know, we have a 55-year-old man. He's a recent amputee, can't afford a wheelchair, um, even though that's not our specific area of focus because our area of focus is infants and newborns. Um, yes. It was a need that we fill, you know. So we we went, you know, a day, day before, we went to a drugstore at East Park Mall, bought a wheelchair for this gentleman, and uh, the hospital scheduled a time for us to personally hand over the wheelchair to the gentleman. And we have pictures on the oh, website wow. where you can see and just the – the level of gratitude, this man was being carried by his father around. You know, he, oh, he was wow. an amputee, a double amputee, so he had no legs basically from the waist down. And so his father, he's 55, so I don't know how old his father was, but you can imagine he was being carried around by his father. Wow. And, you know, for them to receive this wheelchair from complete strangers, it really meant a lot. And it's those things, those are the things that, I mean, it's only a $200 wheelchair. We spend two hundred dollars mm-hmm. out here, you know, like it's nothing, you know. It's, you know, it's it's not that big of a, a dent in our pockets, you know. But this is something mm-hmm. that's life changing for somebody. So just things like that. Um, even last mm-hmm. year, we were Zambia in November. Uh, we mm-hmm. didn't necessarily like have the wheelchair per se, but um, as we were doing a tour of the facility, uh, there was a patient being wheeled around in a wheelchair that had no rubber. So it was just the metal grinding on the floor, and this is the wheelchair that they're using to, to transport oh, wow. people throughout the hospital. So there's things like that, those kinds of needs. There's so many different areas. Um, like I said, our area of focus, for starters right now, is the newborns and the infants. And then, mm-hmm. also, um, and then we're also focusing on under newborns and infants, we're currently trying to rehabilitate uh, a ward. There's a 30-bed ward that we're, we're um, working on at the moment. It was a mm-hmm. dilapidated room, uh, so we've been able to get quite a bit of work done. You know, it's still, it's still, it's still a process, an ongoing process, but we've, gotten, we've done quite a bit. Um, you know, things come up during the process of, you know, trying to get things done. You know, we started one thing and then find that the roof is made of asbestos, and now we have to change the roof. And uh, now we have COVID-19, so that's kind of mm-hmm. some of the development. Yeah, Nathan, uh, uh, Kanyama has no pediatric ward. So uh, oh. the children that were admitted had to share the same ward yeah. as adult women. So that was reducing mm. the number of beds available for adult women. But at the same time, it's also unhealthy if you have pediatrics in the same ward as women. So we, were, <coughs> we visited the room. Everything is almost complete, but as Moisa said, they discovered that they had asbestos. So even though we had the money to finish everything, it now had to go into other areas that we hadn't foreseen. And those are some of the delays okay. that are, you know, expected, but it happens. But it's almost, mm-hmm. it's almost complete. And I think after that, the goal is then to move to the birthing wing um, and see because they need some work with rehabilitation there as well. Okay. Excellent. Those of you listening, the website is sichinga.org. You want to see what the Sichingas are doing? You can even donate actually towards this project. And like we say in church work or ministry, not every missionary will go abroad or get involved, but your finances can go out there as well and help with the work that the Sichingas are doing. Sichinga.org, very simple right there. 
All right, everybody listening, um, we have a few minutes here. Uh, me and uh, the Sichingas have time quite a lot of talking. Anybody has a question or comment for them, you'd like to understand something. For those of you that uh, are thinking of doing something, Robert has given us the website. It's consulateofzambia.org. You can go there and get the source of information. Our discussion today is the Zambians in the diaspora. It's a ZBTR 11th anniversary special feature. All right, Matilda, there you go. You have a challenge. And uh, we are so excited today to be talking to... Oh, some of you may not know, actually, that uh, Robert has been with this show for a long time. And he used to... He, we consider him to be a regular contributor. He, he used to host a show called... Uh, what was that, Roger, again? <laughs> Something to do with finance and business. And uh, all those things. I don't remember. Business... Big business corner, investment corner, something like that. Yeah, something, something like that. Yeah. Uh huh. You remember that? <laughs> Doctor Pat, Robert is here. <laughs> so everybody, yeah. So that's the information that I wanted the teaching guys to share and uh, bring all the, all those things uh, um, uh, to the highlight. And uh, there's there's a lot of things we we, we can talk about here. Uh, do you have plans to venture? Beyond Kanyama Hospital, what's the future outlook of the foundation? Uh, well, you know, our approach is to target a specific project and focus on it. Um, mm-hmm. That way, limited resources are not spread thin. For example, if we have access to, like, say, $10,000, it'll go mm-hmm. first on a specific project than it would trying to spread it across multiple, you know, facilities or your projects. So, for right now, Kanyama is our focus. That will keep us busy for quite a while. But we do hope to have, you know, more resources, you know, for us to eventually expand to other facilities. So um, in terms of future outlook, I would say we'd like to be able to do more and more for for more people. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's mm. really true. The, the, the work is great out there, and uh, uh, there are a lot of things – uh, it looks, I didn't even know that there was a Kanyama hospital, I feel. Oh, wait, though, was that the clinic when it was upgraded? Aha, uh-huh. yes. 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 It was upgraded. Uh-huh. Um, I remember, I want to, you know, someone will have to correct me, but something tells me it's, it's been at least, I think, four or five years since it was upgraded to a level one hospital. So in terms okay. of uh, census, it's seconds to UTH. That's oh, really? It is. Seconds yeah. to UTH in terms of census. And um, uh, something I don't, that Muiza didn't share with you, they deliver between 40 to 50 babies mm-hmm. a day. A oh, day. My goodness. So when we visited the first time, the time that we had also taken the wheelchair, we also asked, mm-hmm. we said, look, we don't want to come empty-handed. Is there something we can bring for, uh, for the maternity ward? So they said, you know, what if you brought something for the babies that are delivered? So I said, oh, how many are going to mm. deliver that? It was about 40 of them. So we went to PEP and bought a whole bunch of baby items, everything that babies would need for the first few months of their life. And yes. uh, Muiza and the nurses, uh, we just filled up the car, and then Muiza and the nurses started creating, making these baby hampers, these baby bags uh-huh. for, every uh-huh. mother, for every mother that had delivered. So we were then given an opportunity to meet with the mothers and actually hand them the hamper ourselves. 
very fulfilling. It was um, nice to be able to hand those over. It was just touching. And at the time, we were six months pregnant while she's doing that. So we looked at and were excited with what we've accomplished. And then reality hit us. Mm. What we had just done was enough for one day. Because tomorrow wow. there will be another 40 or 50 babies. And after that, another That's 40 true. or 50 babies. So even though we're excited about it, it felt like a drop in the ocean. Right, so can you imagine if we had some type of initiative where we could, take, we could have a baby hamper for every baby that comes out of there? And I think it can be done. You know, it's, uh, the stuff from PET is not that expensive. Um, you know, that's also something that we're working towards. Oh, you didn't tell them about the nurse's lounge. Oh, yes, yes, the nurse's lounge. So, uh, Kanyama, you know, like Robert said, it's second to UTH mm. as far as the uh, population that it serves. So they're extremely wow. busy. And so that puts a huge strain on the staff. Uh, the staff is about, what, 330 almost? They have a staff of mm-hmm. about 330. So they're extremely busy. So what we wanted to do is uh, find a way that we can support the staff, the healthcare workers, because if they're, if they're okay and, you know, they're, you know, their mind, body, everything, you know, is, is recharged and they're comfortable, then they're better able to take care of their patients. So we wanted yes. to uh, the um a nurse's lounge, what we are calling a nurse's lounge, a room that's like their sanctuary where in between shifts or patients, whatever it is, they're able to go there. They're able to pull out a, a book, a resource, read up on whatever it is, you know, watch TV, DVDs on different things, you know, um, drink some tea, eat some, you know, just eat some biscuits, relax, and, you know, be able to also learn. And then so we wanted to find a way that we can fund this, this nurse's lounge. So, quite frankly, I'm making an appeal, you know, to anybody out there that's interested and would like to commit to this. Um, It is an option. That's an amazing opportunity because, I mean, all of us know what first comes to my mind here, Mrs. Ching, as you're speaking about the nurses' lunch, I'm reminded as Mm -hmm. we're going to school, you remember teachers, we used to call it staff room, right? Where the teachers would go, yes. That's the first thing that came to my mind, Robert, staff room. You remember that? Where the teachers would sit during break time and, uh, you know, sort of relax. My goodness, 330 people don't have a place where they can relax and sit. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just something that, ladies and gentlemen, the website is sitchinga.org. There's a link there where you can give PayPal using your credit card. Like, I mean, like we are saying, the need is great across the nation. Mm -hmm. And if you start thinking too much, it, it becomes overwhelming. But like Robert and Moise have done, if you focus, I think, on one thing, it, it helps to, to do. And that's so many things we've done here on Zambia Block Talk Radio, Roger. We focus on one thing. Don't try to hit so many targets or else your bullets will end up going into the air. Um, Robert, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, the... The virtual live fundraiser was a great thing, a starting point. In your work, uh, not only as consular, but also as a member of the community, you and your wife are running the fundraiser. I know you. You know, when I posted the, your link, you had the picture of you and your wife coming on the show, I'll tell you one thing. I had so much feedback from people saying, oh, I remember Robert this. Oh, I remember Robert that. Oh, I said to myself, oh, my goodness, this is good for people to remember how much Robert has been helpful to everybody. So 
where do we go from here, Robert, as a diaspora? What do you see? Um, I think the diaspora should be activated, or, uh, or we, should, uh, we should get activated. We all have amazing resources. Um, and what we have access to can go a long way back there. I always use the example of $100. Um, that, that could change somebody's life, <laughs> okay, um, as, as, as simple as that may seem. But imagine if 10 people put $100 together, you can, put, you can buy a piece of processing equipment, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, I know Roger would like this because he's, he's very passionate about the rural areas. You can actually mm-hmm. create small little in the rural areas so that they become closer and closer to be more self-sustaining and not having to go into the circle or go into the cover belt. But our small dollars combined make very big dollars. Let's get activated. What you saw with the virtual concert was an example of that. But even individually, just saying, you know, mm-hmm. I like that wheelchair. I want to send one wheelchair a year to Kanyama. It's still mm. better and, than, than what's there now. All right? And that's their commitment. That's the thing. Look, that's all I can give. That's all I'm prepared. As whatever people feel that they can give will help create that conduit for them to be able to give to, the, uh, to Mother Zambia. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Let's get activated. For those of you that were not there at the beginning, I'm telling you, Robert, Mrs. Ching, I'm really amazed at these figures. Let me read these figures again, those who were not there at the beginning. 2003, 30 million. Is that 30 or 36, Robert? 36. 36 million. Those are the remittances. Pay attention here. Uh, 2017, 93 million. 2019, 106 million. Roger, that's mind blowing. 106 million. I'm waiting to see what the figure for 2020 will be. Or maybe since we said we are not going to count 2020 because of COVID, uh, nothing is going to happen. But, but I'll tell you this. Um, like Robert and his wife are saying, uh, the website is chinga.org. Mm, there's a lot we can do. I, I'm, really, I'm really fascinated about this nurse's launch. Uh, I think I'm going to do something about that. I, I can just imagine 330 people, Matilda, working. They don't, so if they want to, I'm trying to think, Mrs. Chinga. So if I take a break, what am I doing during my break? Uh, standing, go outside, do what? And uh, <laughs> I'm trying to process it. I'm thinking loud, you know. Yeah, I'm just to finding a corner, I guess. You know, walk around outside, that sort of thing. Stay in the office. Yeah, yeah. it's it's really not much, you know. Yeah. Mm. And all of us know that the, the the health workers or nurses, doctors, their job is not where they are, like, doing office work. They are up and about, I mean, running, standing exactly. for most of the shift. So they need a place mm-hmm. where they can sit and something. Uh, I'll mobilize some friends. We can do something about this nurses' lounge. I, li- I like that concept and, uh, mm-hmm. and idea. Dr. Patrick, we have four minutes here before we let the teaching girls go back to enjoy their weekend. Any comments? Where's Dr. Pat? <laughs> okay. Uh, he's trying to get his phone off mute here, this technology. So, everybody. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dr. Pat, it's been a while. Uh, Matilda, you're too quiet. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, my, I've been captivated by this message launch. I, I just can't uh, visualize people working. Uh, oh, there. Also, yeah. If I yes, may ma'am. add, another, another um, way to support the nurses, which I didn't mention, um, not mm-hmm. only just the, the nurses lounge getting that, you know, the, that set up, but also providing them with equipment. Um, another thing we thought about are these bags for, you know, the healthcare workers where they have a stethoscope, they have a clock, they have syringes, whatever they need, you know, mm-hmm. where we just provide bags where they have everything handy. Because so, right now I think um, they're, they're sharing stethoscopes. Not I think. They are actually sharing stethoscopes. So, you know, that's just oh another example. There's so many people here that work in the healthcare industry and may have access to something like that. Maybe, you know, those are available to donate. Whatever, whatever you can do, they can do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very true, yeah. That's very true. The, the needs, the, the, there's so many things that uh, uh, people can do and get involved. I mean, we all know the health sector is one area in Zambia that uh, uh, has, has, great, has got a, a great need. Uh, Robert, if I may get into your mind, you mentioned something like that. The virtual concert uh, gave you some idea or something. Did you say something like that? So, so no, you know, the, the idea of the virtual concert, imagine if you did a similar concept for, uh, but have a virtual uh, business expo, you know, because you're seeing that ah. in other sectors. That might be something as well. It might, and with something like that, it will even be easier to get some people from Zambia, maybe from ZDA, uh, CEC, to join the, the call as well. So with technology, maybe you can uh, talk to Davis and get a team together, and who knows? Maybe that's, uh, that's, the, that's something that we can, look at, we can explore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe so. Mm-hmm. That's really true. Yeah. Me and Davis are working on something. We're going to do a virtual, you know, just to speak into the into the church worldwide and encourage everybody that it's not the end of the world. Um, it's coming up on 5th of July. I'll be sharing that information uh, very soon with everybody. We are at an advanced stage. Okay, coming up is open forum. Uh, everybody, uh, let's call back in and enjoy that. Next week, I'm trying to find somebody to discuss Zambia's debt and see how uh, what is going on there and what we can do. Consul, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. It was, a pr- it was an honor uh, get, getting on your show again. Mrs. Chinda, wow. Thank you for taking the time. I knew you were smarter than Robert. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you for you coming again. on. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. This Thanks. has been great. Thank great you, everybody. That's good. That's good. I would encourage us to share the link to this show because the information and things that have been shared is very good. Everybody, let's go back in open forum. Ma zoti tazisoa, ni ma 